This is Church Alive's teaching of the week by Pastor Gene Amoson. For additional teachings or information about the church, visit us online at churchalive.net. Today we're going to wrap up our Planted series. I did parts one and two with you. I really enjoyed it. We got a lot of really good feedback from you. Uh, part three, Pastor Mark talked about our beliefs. Uh, last week, part four, Pastor Gerald talked about gifts. And today I'm going to talk to you about a couple of different areas um, regarding uh, the structure of the church, but also sons and daughters and us wanting sons and daughters in this church. Yeah. Now, our key scriptures uh, in this uh, series have been Psalms 92, 12 through 15 and Jeremiah 17, 8. It says this in Psalms 92, 12. It says, the righteous will flourish. Everyone say flourish. Like a palm tree, they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Okay, now we all got to say this together. Planted in the house of the Lord. Planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. Somebody say amen to that. You don't age out whenever it comes to kingdom work. They will stay fresh and green proclaiming, The Lord is upright. He is my rock. Jeremiah 17, 8 says, They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Until the day you die, you need to be producing fruit for the kingdom. My father was laying on his bed on hospice ministering to people. Come on, somebody. He didn't throw in the towel and say, woe is me. He continued to do what God called him to do, to bear fruit. And as we've said with this series, we need to understand that God's highest calling for all of us isn't just to go to church, but it's to be planted. In part one, we we mentioned the fact that our life is a seed. We said that going to church isn't the same as being planted. We said that when we are planted, that our roots grow deep. And then whenever we're planted, we do produce fruit. It's all part of being planted. And if we're going to be planted in the house of God, in this house, if this is your house that God says you need to be planted in, then you need to understand we all need to be on the same page to where we move together to accomplish the vision and the mission that he's put us on. Can we agree with that? So that's the reason we talked about, for instance, our, our vision and our mission in part two. That's the reason that Pastor Mark went over our beliefs in part three. And that's the reason that Pastor Gerald talked about our gifts in part four. And let me say this. I really like the angle that he took with that teaching on gifts because it wasn't just covering the gifts. It was talking about the importance of us using our gift. Because whenever we're not using our gift, then others are missing out on what we're supposed to be doing to impact their lives. Come on, somebody. So that was a really good teaching. So we need to make sure that we use our gifts because it's for the benefit of others. Let me tell you something else that he said that I thought was really good. He said this, sometimes we have different opinions on our beliefs, on what we believe is true. But he also said this, you can have that opinion, but do you have scripture to back it up? Come on now. Do you have scripture to back it up? I was reading this week in John 8. Uh, In verse 37 and 43, Jesus is kind of going back and forth with the Pharisees. They're being, well, the Pharisees, and they were just giving them fits like they love to give them. And he said this, he said, you desire to kill me. This is in verse 37. You desire to kill me because the message I bring you has not found a home in your heart. Y'all just hear that? 
hasn't found a home in your heart. And then just a few verses later, in verse 43, he says, you don't understand what I say because your hearts are closed off to my message. If we were to get real, there are some of us with some topics that have been taught in the church that have closed our hearts off and have not wanted to hear that topic. Come on, am I the only one that's maybe been that way in the past? Maybe you've closed it off and it could be related to healing. Maybe it could be related to the favor of God on your life or the fact that God truly does want to prosper you. Okay, But sometimes we close uh, our hearts off to maybe the move of the Holy Spirit. Whatever it is, we've not allowed what the Word says to find a home in our heart, just like what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Let me say this to you. We're going to throw it up on the screen today. Many Christians are living like spiritual paupers because they have closed their hearts to what the Word says is available to them. Listen to me just for a minute. I want you to understand that you are a child of the King. And the Lord has promised us so many great things. The Lord wants to work in your life. But if you close your heart and don't want to receive that, then you are not getting all the benefits that are available to you as his children. Does that make sense today? And, And let me just go ahead and tell you, there's probably not any church that is going to be 100% perfect as far as what they do for you. My favorite teacher on the planet, my favorite teacher on the planet, if I was to go to their church, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there might be a few things I might be like, yeah, it's not really my thing. But that teacher, just whenever he just teaches, I'm like, holy cow. But you may come in here and you may say, you know, I'm just not really down with this. But if this is the house that God's got you in, don't let the enemy get you to close your heart to what's coming from this pulpit. Okay? Sometimes going to church is like eating catfish. Dale Barry, not the mayor, the other one, and my mom love to eat catfish tails. And apparently there are some of you others in here that are doing this too. To me, I'm sorry, that's gross. Here's the thing. I don't eat the tails, but I'll eat the meat. And if something just isn't really your cup of tea, just set it to the side. Don't get offended about it. Just set it to the side. Consume the meat. Amen? Open your hearts. Whenever we start to talk about some topics, if fear ever comes, like, you know, just just starts to grip you whenever you read certain scriptures about certain things, you can know for sure that is not God. Because his word is to never bring fear in our lives. Whenever we read the, the word, if we're starting to get scared or starting to get nervous, that's the enemy working on you. So you need to be aware of that. Amen? So with all that said, let's get into our teaching today, amen? We all need to know what this house is about so we can move together in unity. And one thing I want to start off with today, because we did not get to cover it in part two, I just truthfully ran out of time, is we want to talk about our structure this morning, our structure here at Church Alive. And this is just kind of a refresher course for some of y'all who have been here for a while, but some of you new families that are maybe connecting with the church, we want you to know how we operate as a church uh, today's a lot about relationships. We need good relationships in church. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Our structure is really all based about having great, solid relationships and great, solid people um, that are helping to, to move this vision forward. But we believe that church structure is important because it helps us keep everything in perspective. 
our vision and our mission help us to be part of what God is doing in building his church. Our structure helps us to make decisions to best pursue our vision so we can achieve our mission. Now here at Church Alive, whenever it comes to our church government, it is a theocracy. Everyone say a theocracy. Now, theocracy means this. It's God ruled. God ruled. Superior rule. How many of you know whenever God is in charge of anything, it's going to be done right? Anybody know what a democracy is? People ruled. People rule under democracy and um, they mess up a lot, don't they? With their decisions. So we're a theocracy here. Colossians 1.8 says, And he, talking about the Lord, is the head of the body of the church, that in all things he may have the preeminence. He may have the preeminence. Moses, speaking just before his death in Numbers 27, starting in verse 16, it says, and this is him speaking to the Lord, Please appoint a new man as leader for the community. Give them someone who will guide them wherever they go and will lead them into battle so the community of the Lord will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Moses knew that someone had to take lead of Israel for them to be able to move forward, correct? Now, a lot of times you'll hear sometimes in church a set man that God puts in place. And Moses was indeed that set man whenever uh, that group of a million plus was leaving Egypt and, and Gene Amoson Sr. was the set man that God set in this house whenever this church was planted. As a matter of fact, our first service was on a front porch with the set man and four others. Mom, myself, and two ladies, and that was it. Uh, whenever Dad passed on, then obviously that was uh, set on me as far as leading this church. But the set man or the founder always moves in one, at least one of the fivefold ministry that you'll find in Ephesians 4, verse 11. And if we look at that scripture, it says, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers. Get this, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to building up of the body of Christ. Amen. Let me say this. Every office that we just spoke about right there in that verse is needed today. Yes. I think a lot of times people are cool with a pastor. They're cool with a teacher. They're cool with an evangelist. We know what an evangelist does. We're cool with... An apostle, but sometimes that prophet is like, whoa now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes the prophetic scares the stew out of us. Can we just get real? Sometimes we don't want the prophet to get around us because they may ring our bell. Right? I mean, Y'all, it's been crazy before just to be in the, the, in the atmosphere where the prophetic is moving and just to see God ring my bell. And some of y'all have experienced it as well. But with that said, prophecy is a valid gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's needed in the church today. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that it's not valid for today. In fact, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, it says, do not despise prophecy. It says that. Do not despise prophecy in 1 Thessalonians 5, 20. But God sets key leadership in place to assist the founder or the set man of a body. If you remember, y'all remember Jethro? Such a great name, because we all think about the Beverly Hillbillies, don't we? But Jethro encouraged Moses in Exodus 18 to set some people in place to help him do what he needed. And he basically told him, you've got to do this so you don't kill yourself trying to do everything. And so we've got key leaders 
that help move the vision of this church forward as well. Amen? Because we all work together. Everybody say, we all work together. In fact, in Acts 6, it says this. It says, and this is starting in verse 2. It says, so the 12, the 12, called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word, not running a food program. And so brothers, select men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Now, if you read that, you may look at it as, well, these guys sound a little arrogant right there. But I want you to think about something. Jesus had just commissioned them to go do a great work. And if you read in the scriptures ahead of that, what there was is there was a little bit of squabbling going on with their food distribution. And some were saying, hey, we're not getting, or these people over here aren't getting what they need. And finally, the apostle said, we've got a calling on our life that we're supposed to do more than this. So we need some good people who can do this. Come on. We need some good people who can do this because they had received a commissioning from Jesus and they had things that they were gifted and called to do that they needed to take care of. And so we all work together as one body. Not everybody teaches, not everybody leads worship, but they had just been given an assignment and they were trying to focus on what God had called them to do. So let's talk about some of these groups that assist in moving the vision forward. First of all, the group that I want to start with today is our board of directors. Now, if you're wondering what our board of directors do is they handle, if you will, the fiscal, the financial aspects of the church. Uh, let's talk about who our board members are. Uh, first of all, I'm president of the board. Um, secondly, we have Richard Cockrell as a director. We have uh, William Carlton as a director. We have Mom as the secretary, and we have Elder Jackie Curley as the vice president of the board. So can you all agree that that's a good sound group of people, amen? And what they do is they basically uh, oversee the budget, the financial matters. They approve the budget. Pam uh, reports to them what's going on financially speaking. Whenever I say them, I am part of that. Pam is our administrator, does a great job with that. And, and I'm happy that I don't have to get involved in the administration side anymore. I did that for 18 years, something like that. Uh, before moving into this role, and Pam was a huge help. I mean, I was just praying whenever I approached her about it that she would be willing to do it because I knew I didn't need to be involved in it, but I didn't also want to have to juggle it as well. But, you know, whenever it comes to that, our, our board just makes sure that financially we're in good shape, that we make wise decisions. We don't just go in there and vote on something because it always seems right. There's time, been times in the past where we just really needed to pray about something. Amen? Yeah. Let me share with you a really cool story about the fact that we're a theocracy here at church and how our board of directors once had a big decision to make and they made the right decision. So my dad, whenever we were over at the old drugstore church, he approached the board at one point and like William wasn't even on the board then, um, w Richard wasn't either. So this is like y'all 20-ish years ago. And dad approached the board and he said, we're supposed to build here on Highway 28. Um, we had bought the land and it was paid for, but it was one of these things. We had the land and we had just been sitting on it for a while and there really had not been a financial breakthrough to just be able to build, right? And so dad approached the board and he said, the Lord says we're supposed to build on this property. Um, so much so that it was like, and we're supposed to basically 
I build this size of church and that sort of thing. We had done some investigation on, um, on what it would cost. Uh, we had gotten some quotes, and actually we had already kind of come up with uh, just a sketch off as far as blueprint, but we were able to talk to you know the concrete company, the steel building company. We were able to talk to a framer and get just kind of ballpark quotes, you know what I mean? And so we knew what it was going to cost. And let me just say this, with a church of what size we were that was over there, in the natural it looked impossible. It looked impossible. It looked like, okay, there's no chance that Church Alive can pay for this unless they just, well, yeah, they're just not going to unless God intervenes. So dad spoke to the board and he said, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what God says to do. Our board, who all had to put their signature on a note at the bank, said, Pastor, if that's what you say God is saying to do, we'll do it. (laughs) Thinking to themselves, probably in the natural has he lost his mind? But when you have a word from God, you can take it to the bank every time. And the Lord spoke to dad and said, do it. And so thankfully, our board got behind him and said, let's do it. We got turned down by multiple banks. We were a little discouraged on the front end. And finally, the good people at People's Bank said, okay, we'll do it. God moved. And so with that said, it was um, 2000. December of 2002, we were supposed to break ground January 1st. I'm sorry, we were supposed to pour the slab January 1st. Two weeks prior, a massive six-figure check came in the offering from someone who didn't even come to church. Listen to me. We didn't borrow a dime on this building until sheetrock was going up. The slab was paid for. The building was paid for. All the framing was paid for. The electrical was in. We didn't borrow a dime until sheetrock started to go up. We ended up finishing this project, seats, desk, sound system, everything, and only borrowed $325,000. I fully, 100% believe in my heart that had dad or the board not been obedient to the voice of the Lord that that check would have never hit that offering. The person didn't even come to the church and they told us that they were actually haggling, if you will, with the Lord on the amount to give and the Lord gave them the high number. Aren't you just grateful for God's faithfulness? So our board of directors handle our financial decisions, but you know, there, that was one time where it's like, Man, I'm really glad you guys have bought into the vision of this church and you really know that your pastor hears the voice of God. Amen? Whenever it comes to the finances of the church, just so you know, we do have, for instance, a benevolence process to help families within our church, families outside of our church as well. Uh, We want to be a blessing to those in our church who are hurting. Amen? And we've done that. We do it multiple times a year. And so um, with that said, I'm not involved in the finances outside of being a board member with our board of directors, and I'm grateful for that. Our second group are our elders and our deacons. And what these folks do is they advise myself in pastoral or spiritual matters. They oversee the spiritual health of the church body. Get this, they watch for people or circumstances that can bring division within the body, and they ensure a balanced teaching of the word. Aren't we so in need of that today? Amen. Um, Whenever it comes to our elders and deacons, my two elders are Elder Charles Funches and Elder Jackie Curley. 
Uh, our two deacons are Deacon David McGee and Chris Curley. All the Curleys are out today, but aren't these four great men of God? Amen. Come on, y'all Y'all give them a hand, amen? I mean, they're just great people. We appreciate them. I love the fact that uh, it says here, and this is truly, they, they look out for the body. They ensure that I'm not getting squirrely myself. Whenever we all meet, last time we met, we were having lunch. You know, I always want to ask them, is there anything I need to improve on? And, and I welcome them to speak into my life. I've realized that whenever I surround myself with strong men of God, and I give them the opportunity to speak into my life, then I'm going to stay kind of on the straight and narrow. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Accountability. And whenever I got four strong guys around me, I'm feeling pretty good about that. First Timothy 3, verses 1 through 13 cover uh, the qualifications of those in the role of deacons or overseers or elders. I want to say this. We don't just set anyone in this role. The church doesn't vote these men in. I need to hear from God before I set anyone in. If you're curious, the last time we set in one of these men, it's been well over a decade. I've had this strong team of four in fact, all four of these men have been with this church for over 20 years. They have my heart for this church. They had dad's heart for this church. And let me repeat the story, and I know I've shared it here recently, but if you're new to this church, uh, whenever my dad was literally within a week or two of passing away, uh, he had a conversation with me, and he said, do you want to trade out any of your deacons or elders? He said, do you want me to set any of them down and maybe you bring in somebody that, that you feel like needs to be on that list? And I appreciate him even mentioning that because he realized, hey, Gene, if you're taking the church, this is now you know, your decision to make if God showed you something else. And he said, I'll have a talk with him. And I appreciate that, I appreciate that because dad was willing to take that bullet, if you will. You know, rather than the new kid going and setting down an elder or something like that. But dad was willing to have that really hard conversation if I felt that someone else needed to maybe take the place of someone. And, and I looked at dad, I said, man, you've put together an all-star team. I'm not touching it. I may add to it, but I'm not touching what you put together. I mean, these are four highly qualified, rock-solid men that whenever you look at those scriptures, it's like, yep, 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 and yep. You can, you can check off on all of them. Yes, these guys qualify. So we don't just let anybody in this role. I, I want to hear from God. Amen? Amen. Uh, our next group are associate pastors. These uh, men care for our church family. They teach. They have specific areas within the church that they oversee as well. And I, I'm excited about the three men we have. Pastor Gerald, uh, Pastor Mark, and Pastor David. Good men. Amen? Yeah. These are all good men, and of course, they fill the pulpit from time to time, and they've got certain areas that they're over within the church. I want to say this. My desire for this church is that we have a culture of honor, and I want to ask you this. Everyone that I've just spoken of, whether it's our, our deacons, our elders, our associate pastors, our board members, I want to ask you to honor them because they're deserving of it. They're the ones that God has put in these roles. And you know, here's something in Hebrews 13, 17 that I want you to see this morning. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Come on, somebody. They're watching out for you. Honor those men, amen? Now, if you're curious about our church whenever it comes to accountability, our church accountability is the network of related pastors. 
And I want to say this. Every church needs accountability. If you've been part of a church that didn't have accountability, there's something a little wrong with that. Every pastor needs somebody that they're accountable to. And I've got my elders and stuff, but I've also got my spiritual father, Rod Aguilar. And in case you didn't know, he has no problem shooting you straight. No problem whatsoever. And he and I just were, were on the phone week before last. A great man of God. But if you're interested in finding out more about them, uh, nrpastors.com is their website. Uh, the network is about 40 to 50 churches. I think he said they actually were about 50 right now. Um, but a covering is spiritual protection. And, and we recognize the need for accountability. We connected with them back in 2007, and it's been a great thing. Um, our overseers of NRP are Pastor Rod and Mary Aguilar. Uh, the Aguilards, they were senior pastors for 35 years uh, before God called them to pastor pastors. And then their son took their church, uh, Pastor Stephen Aguilard, who was with us about a year and a half ago. And then there's Pastor Keith Tusi. Pastor Keith's here about every year, year and a half. Um, he's the senior apostle of NRP. He's fantastic, just a great man of God. But that's our structure basically in a nutshell. And, and we all want good folks helping to lead the vision of this church. Am I right? And so don't you feel like we got some good folks in place to do that? Amen. Really, these people, help, these people help make sure that I stay balanced and that our church is healthy. We want a healthy church. So we're going to shift gears this morning and kind of go into our final portion of this series. And again, we're all about family here at Church Alive. We're about relationships. But I want to say this. Whenever it comes to this house, I want you all to understand this is our house. Come on, everybody say it's our house. Sometimes I hear terminology around the church, and I don't think people are necessarily doing it to prove a point, but they'll be like, well, Gene, it's your church. No, 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 this is our church. Amen? This isn't a one-man show. I want you all to know that. We need good people in here, but we want you all to be planted in this house. This is our house. Amen? We cry together. We're family. We celebrate together. Because we're family, we fight together. And, and here's something I want you to understand. We're not looking for church members at this church. That may sound weird. We're not looking for members at this church. What we want to see are sons and daughters. We want sons and daughters at Church Alive. You know, every church has a leader, as we mentioned before. And we all work together to accomplish the vision and the mission that we, we talked about just a few weeks ago. But part of being a son and a daughter is having spiritual mothers and fathers in the house that you can receive from. Come on, how many of y'all want good people that you can go to whenever you need something? Good people who you will allow to speak into your life whenever you need somebody to speak into your life. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes we don't want people to speak into our life, and we might get our panties in a wad about it, but we need to have those people speaking into our life. It may hurt, but it's good. It's good for us. So we need to have good spiritual mothers and fathers in this house, and, and you need to be able to receive as a son and a daughter. You know, Paul even mentions in, in 1 Corinthians 4 the need for spiritual fathers. He says, you know, I, I brought the gospel to you. I, I am your spiritual father. There may be many instructors in Christ, but only a father will truly have the best heart for the children. So today we're going to look at the characteristics of sons and daughters versus church members. First of all, sons and daughters build up the house of God. Church members sit in the house of God. Mm. Sons and daughters 
They serve. They don't just sit. They build. They don't just run their mouth. They do. I heard a great little line the other day. Somebody was interviewing somebody for a job and they said, there's a lot of sizzle there, but not a lick of steak. A lot of times people can run their mouth, but whenever it's time to build, they don't build, do they? Sons and daughters truly do build the house of God. Church members will sit. I'll say this. Church members, a lot of times, they will associate themselves with the church. Well, I go to whatever the church is. But we don't want to just be associated with the church. We want to be planted in the house of God. Amen? Because, again, God's highest calling for you isn't to just go to church. Sons and daughters are covenant people. Church members are truthfully drifters. You see them for a little while, and then they just vanish. It's funny how that is. There are seasons. There are seasons, and, and there are times whenever God may call you to another flock. And I truly appreciate whenever people will sit down with me and say, this is what the Lord is saying, versus just disappearing. And then I make that call and be like, dude, where y'all been? Sons and daughters are covenant people. They want to leave somewhere the proper way. Come on, somebody, listen to me. How you leave one church is how you're going to enter right into the next. Do it the right way. Do it the right way. And this is not a point on how to leave a church because none of you are going anywhere. You hear me? <laughs> but sons and daughters stick during the good times and the bad times. Church members, there's something that they're not crazy about, they're gone. Third thing is this, sons and daughters are family-oriented. Church members are issue-oriented. Sons and daughters realize the value of the relationships of the people around them. Think about it at your home. Have you had a disagreement with your child or your spouse lately? Did it end with, well, then I'm out of here? No. Because we're family. Come on. We're family. We stick together. Sons and daughters, they realize the value of the relationships of those around them. They're not just issue-oriented. Well, if this isn't the way I want it to be, then I'm gone. That attitude is not of God at all. Number four, sons and daughters use the language of family. Church members use the language of an individual or of self. Sons and daughters, we refer to this church as our family. This is us. We're all working together. This is our house. Number five, sons and daughters bond new people to the family and the vision. Church members bond people to themselves. Church members bond people to themselves. Clicks within churches are never good. Clicks within churches get addressed by our elders here at Church Alive. Because... How many of y'all deal with drama at work from time to time? Anybody ever dealt with drama at work? Let me go ahead and just share something with you. You deal with enough drama at work and outside of this place that you shouldn't have to deal with it in the house of God. Church members a lot of times will try to bring in their own little following. That's not of God either. It's not of God either. We need to 
uh, bond new people to the family. Amen. You're part of the family. Number six, sons and daughters focus on the welfare of the church. Church members only focus on themselves. The welfare of the church versus themselves. Sons and daughters protect the house and the leaders. Come on, somebody. They protect the house and the leaders. We focus on the welfare of the people. Church members focus on themselves only. Number seven, sons and daughters honor the chain of command and leadership. Church members always question the chain of command. Uh, I want to say this. If you feel like this is the house that God's planted you in, um, and if you feel like that, that I'm to be your pastor, and these elders are, are men of God that God's set in this place, you need to honor them. Amen? Honor the chain of command. Um, don't, don't always be questioning the chain of command. If this is truly your house, if you're buying into the vision, then, then get behind it. Amen? Get behind it. Uh, you know, those who, who a lot of times can't receive correction often are those who are questioning. Have you ever noticed that? All of a sudden they start to question the chain of command. Number eight, sons and daughters seek the success of the vision. Church members seek position. Sons and daughters want to see the vision come to fruition, and they're not looking to be glorified. They're not looking for a title necessarily. But there are times whenever people want a title so that they can kind of be exalted themselves. Sons and daughters are transparent. They freely share their innermost thoughts and feelings. Church members are introverted and will tell you only what they want you to know and hear. Now listen to me. Let me just say this. Whenever it comes to good relationships, and this is one reason we really love good life groups, you can get open and honest with people. How many of y'all have walked through something before that has been so hard and you needed people to get around you and to support you and to pray for you and to check on you? Has anybody ever been there? And whenever you're planted in the house of God, then you can be open with family, knowing that we are truly family and that family look out for each other. And that what family don't do is, is that whenever you share, look, we're struggling with this, that they're not going to go behind your back and start telling everybody your business. Come on, somebody. Amen. Church family, sons and daughters, we protect each other. We support each other. We pray for each other. We can be open and honest with each other, knowing that there shouldn't be any fear that people are going to run around telling our business. Because let me just tell you, there, there's times, man, whenever we just need people around us. And, and we're just hurting. But what you'll find is a lot of times church members who really, they, they see this isn't family, this isn't family, so they don't view it as family. They're just not going to share. They're not going to share their hearts. They're just going to tell you, you know, uh, what you want to hear or what they think you want to hear. It's okay to get open and honest. And I'll say this, church, don't ever blab anybody's business outside of here. Do you hear me? Pray for them. Support them. Check on them. This is family, man. Come on. It's family. These are good folks that we all got to get around and rally together. And we all grow together. Amen? Amen. Number 10. Sons and daughters are secure and can handle correction. <laughs> Discipline and change as well. Half-hearted church members are blame shifters. <laughs> Sons and daughters are secure and can handle correction, 
discipline, and change. Listen to me. There's times when I need correction. Some of y'all need correction at times. I know it may come as a surprise. I've had to get on the phone with some of y'all before and be like, I saw your Facebook post, take it down right now. I've had those conversations with people. And then they get their panties in a water. <laughs> Sons and daughters can receive correction. Or you don't need to be doing this. Or your attitude needs to improve in this area. Or we really need you to help in this area. You know what I mean? You need to be able to receive correction from time to time. And sometimes things may have to change. Sometimes church changes. Whenever we redid the sanctuary here, this was a lot of change. Some of y'all mentioned, it's just so different. It's okay. That casino carpet from 2003 needed to go. Somebody say amen. amen. We, we need to be able to, to receive uh, discipline, correction, and change. Church members are blame shifters. It's never their fault. You ever notice that? It's never their fault. We're all imperfect, man. We're humans. And, and we need to be able to receive some correction. I want to mention something to you real quick. And that's just the 10 points that we had for sons and daughters today. But those who are truly planted in the house of God that are truly calling this their church and say, this is where I want to be planted. I think we all want to accomplish something that maybe we can't do individually, but that we can do together. Am I right about that? There's a great story um, related to Jonathan's armor bearer in the word in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 14, 6 and 7, it says, Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Then I love this. Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. If you read in the scriptures previous, they're in a low place and there's two cliffs on either side of them. And Jonathan basically says to his armor bearer, let's go up there. And he says, if the Lord desires, we can take these guys out. And it was a terrible battle strategy, if you really think about it, because what they were, they were down in a hole and they said, let's get the attention of the enemy. And then whenever they get the attention of the enemy, it says they had to climb out of the hole. But then it's great because they then uh, killed 20 of the enemy. First of all, whenever it's two against 20 and you're down in a hole, who says, let's let them know we're down here in the hole? No, you may want to try a sneak attack, if anything, right? But so he was in a terrible place. They basically whistled at him and said, hey, guys. And then at that point, the enemy says, hey, why don't you come up here and we'll teach you a lesson. But then they go up and they kill him. God was in control. But I love the fact that the armor bearer says, do whatever you think's right. I'm completely with you. You know what he was saying here is he was saying, let's do this. If God said this is what we're supposed to do, let's move forward together. Let's go and let's make a difference in this town. Come on. Let's make a difference in our county. You know, just us by ourselves, we can, we, we can only do so much, but whenever we work together, we can do a lot. Amen? He knew that God was in the middle of what was going on at that situation, and he trusted Jonathan and said, yeah, yeah, let's go make a difference. And so they ended up going, and they ended up killing, actually, 20 of the enemy. 
And then 1 Samuel also tells us about David and Saul. It says, so David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. Now, if you think about this, God blessed and elevated David. He served Saul, first of all. But even before that, he served his father in the sheep field. Him being the baby, he got the worst job, and that's what always happened to the baby. He was just merely watching sheep. Even whenever um, the Lord was saying, Jesse's house has the future king, David wasn't even called out of the field to be considered. But God saw him. God saw his heart. God saw his faithful service to his father, then saw his faithful service to Saul, and promoted him as a result. Amen? Galatians 6, 9 through 10 says this. It says, so let's not get tired of doing what's good. Y'all know this. At just the right time, We'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Do you get that? Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. The scriptures here instruct us to walk in God's love towards all people, believers, unbelievers alike. Jesus told us to love our enemies, obviously, in Matthew 5. But Paul here places a high priority, especially on the family of faith, on your church family, the people that you're surrounded by right now. Amen? We're sons and daughters. We're brothers and sisters in this house. We need to always remember that. Come on, y'all stand with me today. Y'all stand with me today. Um, Again, closing this out today, Psalms 92, 12 through 15 says, the righteous will, let's say it together, flourish. Come on, we're going to try it again. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Let's all say it together. Planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They'll still bear fruit in old age. And they'll stay fresh and green, proclaiming, The Lord is upright. He is my rock. Before we get into worship here at the end, I was just thinking about something earlier this morning and and actually jotting some notes uh, to maybe pray about here uh, this morning as we close out. But first of all, my prayer is that we truly have a house full of sons and daughters. Sons and daughters who build this house and just help continue to move the, the vision forward. But I also want to say this to you this morning. Um, Some of you who are saying, yeah, we want to get planted in this house. We want to connect with the church. Jesus mentions whenever he sends out disciples, he says, now listen, if they don't receive the word that you give them, shake the dust off your feet as you leave. As you leave going to the next place. Now, Whenever we read that, I think sometimes it's just like, well, we are done with you, right? That's, that's what we envision sometimes whenever it comes to shaking the dust off our feet. But let me tell you how we need to look at this. What Jesus was saying here is whenever they don't receive you, you will have an opportunity to be offended. Come on now. You will have an opportunity to be hurt. And it's important that you not Take that with you into the next place that you go to. 
So listen to me this morning. Some of you in the past, you have been offended. Some of you in the past, maybe at your past church or by other believers, have been hurt. Some of you have felt betrayed because maybe you shared something with somebody in confidence and you needed somebody to pray with you. But all they did is they took it and they ran and they ran their mouth is what they did. And it hurt. And people mess up all the time. Again, we're human. But it's important that you shake that dust off so that doesn't come with you into this house. Does that make sense? To where you can, if you will, start with a blank canvas and just let God do what he wants to do in your life in this house. So come on, let's just pray together. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. God, we desire sons and daughters, Lord, who are going to build this house, Father, and help accomplish the vision and the mission that you've called us to, Father. Lord, right now we just rebuke any confusion, Father, any rebellion that may ever try to show itself, God. And Lord, just slow that progression of the vision, Lord, from going forward. Father, we just rebuke it right now. Lord, we pray that, Father, those, Lord, who want to be planted in this house, Lord, they'll truly flourish just as the word says. God, that everyone, Father, who's planted in this house will truly flourish, God, as we are obedient, Lord, to the word and do as you say. Lord, we pray that, Father, just as the word says, Lord, those who are growing old will continue to bear fruit. They will continue to flourish as well in Jesus' name. And so, God, right now, I just speak to everyone in this house. And, Lord, everyone that's had a hurt, Lord, everyone that's experienced pain, Lord, maybe in the past from a church or from a pastor or from a a leader in a church, And if that's you right now, I just want you to ask the Lord, Father, free me from this right now. Lord, we speak freedom to everyone in this place, God, that's been hurt in the past at a church. Lord, by a leader. Lord, by a church member. Lord, by a pastor. Whatever it is. God, we know that we can't continue to progress with you, God, if we're just dragging all this baggage behind us. And so, God, right now, we just lose... Uh, Lord, we just loose that in Jesus' name, and we just speak freedom over everyone in this house. In Jesus' name. God, our desires is that as a church, Lord, we just continue to move forward. Lord, from glory to glory. God, my desire as a pastor, Lord, is, is that, Father, the men in this church, Lord, they will truly lead their homes, God. Lord, they will, they will pastor their homes, be the priests of their homes, Father. Lord, to where their families, God, just grow stronger in you. Lord, we just pray for strong marriages, Father. Lord, for children who are obedient to their parents in Jesus' name. Lord, who follow you, God. Lord, never depart from you, Father. Lord, my desire is that we all grow together, God, spiritually. Lord, that whenever we walk out of these doors every week, Father, we are taking something into our communities, God, to make a difference in Jesus' name. Lord, that we begin on our own streets, Father, on the very roads that we live on, God, making a difference in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for it. And if you agree, can you say amen? Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand, amen. 
Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's Teaching of the Week with Pastor Gene Amoson. We invite you to visit us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or find us on the radio at 11 a.m. on Renew 96.9.